Okay, so we have got this is this is the high tech stuff. So I have just done three days with this gentleman here. This is Ted Jednak from Australia, Madeleine in Australia, Southern yes. Australia. Amazing place to go if you're ever out there. Um, Ted is a podiatrist by trade and has come over to deliver three days of education on joint mobilization particularly something called FMT, foot mobilization techniques, and also um, tool-assisted massage, which is using tools to work with soft tissues. And it's something which I'll do in subsequent videos anyway. So I wanted to just catch sort of 10, 15 minutes with Ted to ask some questions which have been posed by some other people as well. And this will be going out probably as a video and also going out as a podcast as well. So Ted, thank you very much for the last three days. Um, grab hold of the microphone and tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I was born when I was very young. And uh, since that time, have uh, progressed into, first of all, graduating as a podiatrist in 1982, which is a long time. That was even before you were born, wasn't it? No. <laughs> I was nine, mate. I was nine. Uh, um, and uh, it was in uh, the early 90s that uh, I uh, heard about this therapy, foot mobilization therapies. I had no idea what it was about. But when I did my initial uh, introduction and finding out about it, it's like the lights came on. This is like the missing piece in our MSK biomechanical therapy. So I got really excited about it. And from there, um, very early on, focused on becoming half decent at the manual therapies for the lower limb. Uh, then, so that was 94 when I started. 96, I sold my routine practice uh, and focused on biomechanical MSK completely from there. Then from 2001, we set up a purpose-built specific clinic that focused entirely on FMT manual therapies for the lower limb. So I'm a podiatrist by trade. However, I'm probably more of a manual therapist, like a, a physio of the feet, so it might be more accurate. Or I, um, I tried to make up a word, chiropractic. It's like chiropractic. It's like a podopractor. That's the term. Oh, that's going to take off, isn't it? <laughs> so, and... Uh, then uh, more recently, you know, at the end of 2016, uh, sold my interest in our um, foot and leg clinics that we have in Australia, uh, and now I can focus uh, completely on education. So this is all about bringing manual therapies for the lower limb to uh, the audience in this growing field because, yes, podiatrists uh, are uh, interested, but the physios, the chiropractors, the osteopaths, as we've had in this training, the other professions go wow, we didn't know the feet worked like that. We didn't know we could do that to the feet. So um, that's been, I guess, a nutshell synopsis evolution of Ted the Footman. Ted of the Evolution, born very young. Yeah. Fantastic. 1982. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. immense, isn't it? That's immense. It's scary. Okay, quick question for you based on that, actually. Here we go. So uh, this is one from, from my friend Tim. What first switched you on to using mobilizations and manipulations as opposed to more traditional podiatry treatments? What was it which, which got you? What, when was that light bulb moment? Yeah, it literally was, I didn't know, like the, the manual therapy idea, I didn't know what chiropractic was. I had, I had no experience, personal experience with chiropractors or um, in physios, it was kind of like more ultrasound and massage. And it was just the, this is something different. But it made such sense. And literally the concept of if a joint is out of position or if it's stuck, the body's going to be forced to compensate. What if we release 
that stuckness or we're able to improve the mechanical relationships of the joints, the body goes, that's a good idea. I can work with that and starts improving. And, and it was the concept, first of all, was like, yeah, that makes sense. And very quickly when I started uh, providing it for a service, particularly for those patients who they kind of they got better with the traditional podiatry methods like well, orthotic therapy. I didn't have much skills or expertise with uh, exercise therapy. But as soon as I started introducing uh, manual therapies, mobilization and releasing of connective tissue restrictions, it kind of transformed the clinical results I was experiencing. Uh, and at this stage, well, at that stage, there was, there was no internet, so I couldn't kind of Google or find out research. I looked up, you know, journals and that sort of thing, but there was nothing there. Certainly within podiatry, uh, the idea of manual therapies was uh, pretty foreign. So then I started hanging out with a lot of physios, chiropractors, and uh, even to this day, most of the continuing education I do is in other professions because they're the manual therapy experts, and that's where I tend to pick up. But it was uh, very early, some of the clinical cases where... I had no other alternative treatment option, and when I introduced FMT and started getting the clinical results, it's like, man, stuff's pretty hot shit. It's going to be good. I, I, I'm going to go with this. So this is your this is your Dr. Brown moment, isn't it? This is your I fell off the toilet and had the idea for the flux capacitor. You suddenly realise <laughs> that you could get better results by using something different to what you were doing already to enhance those results. So it's kind of something like it's the icing on the cake. It's a cream in the coffin, whichever way you want to put it. Yeah, yeah, that would be a very succinct way. I've used a lot more words than well, that. You know, but, but, but as, you, as you can tell from, from Ted, is one of the only few people in the world who does talk more than me, and that's why I'm kind of have to sit back and let him do it. <laughs> yeah, he's here. Yeah, I'll be beaten up for saying that one later. Um, okay, another question for you. So actually, this was one from Tim, and I remember this one. It's beautiful. Tim Beasy Smith. You can probably know of Tim. If you have you met I know Tim? of Tim. I, I can't remember if we've met. Uh, oh, Tim, so. Tim, Tim's really cool. You'll meet him at some point. Tim wanted to know, A, what products do you use on your hair? And B, do you have an unlimited supply of tight black T-shirts in your wardrobe at home? <laughs> Tim, Tim likes the serious questions. Yes. No, no, but really important. It's finally someone now asked me something that is actually relevant to my life. Um, yes. Uh, what product uh, do I use in my hair? So do we mention the dye? No, we keep that out here because I'm pretty it. much great. I missed a bit, did I? missed a bit. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, um, yeah, okay. Well, the first product I used to use uh, to, for quite some time. Yeah. Tim's trying to take the piss. Yes, he I do use products. For, and <laughs> this works. Unlimited yeah. you, you, can, you can just hear Lily. Ted's um, yeah. wife just had a shot as well. She's, she's, she's videoing this as well. So we're videoing of somebody doing a video. It's, 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 this is technology for you. It's brilliant. Uh, and of course, Dr. Lil's role, his primary role in life is to keep me on track. Absolutely. And that absolutely. is a massive, massive undertaking. Many, many, many years of marriage has done that as well, which is absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Um, Tim actually has um, as little hair as me, so hair care products are, are not something he's particularly oh, interested in. Oh, hair envy? <laughs> hair envy, hair envy, definitely. Um, one of the questions is Diane, and Diane um, Ashcroft up in Warrington asked, um, a colleague of mine, she really wanted to know, how long does it take to get to grips with the techniques which you use within practice. Now, I, mean, I can probably put some perspective on that. I did this course seven years ago, um, and it's it's something I use in my practice a huge amount, um, in a different way to TED, but I do use it in my practice as part of my normal treatment package, and it doesn't take a long time to get to grips with doing the techniques. It's just the practice of doing those. So I think you probably will add more to that. 
Yeah. It, it, I'm hoping you'll add more to it anyway. So. It is an interesting question um, because I've been practicing as a manual therapist now for some 22 plus years. So I have to say my memory is a little hazy on how long it takes, how long it took me to become reasonably competent. Probably I could uh, answer that question by when I, uh, with our clinics and when we've employed new practitioners and we're starting to train them from scratch. And so, uh, yes, they'll go through Inverbear training like we've done uh, this weekend. And then what will happen is they will uh, be uh, disciplined and committed, if they want to keep their job, uh, in practicing every day. So, um, and what we've found is that with practitioners, it's, a, it's about a six-week period of time where there's a very steep improvement in their palpation skills and their ability to apply um, manual therapies, mobilization, manipulation techniques. And if I can put this on a, a graph, the first six weeks, dramatic improvement. The next six weeks and is typically things start tapering off, not downwards, but the rate of improvement. It's now the, the one percenters, the subtle distinctions that improve. We, um, in the past, I can probably say quite so safely with our past practitioners, edit, once they get to about the three-month point, we're happy to, they're confident that they can then operate independently without supervision. Uh, yeah, so it's normally the first six weeks is we're under close supervision, and then the supervision becomes a little more distant over the next six weeks. But three months is about uh, the typical path that most new practitioners of FMT take to get to get mastery of the techniques. So, because if I'm going to let a practitioner work independently, they better be bloody good, and they better do the <laughs> job properly. So, um, and for most practitioners, it's about it's the first month that's the most telling. Um, so I would find that most practitioners are quite competent and reasonably confident after a month of practice. And that practice, you know, if you practice in a concentrated manner, one hour per day, five days a week for that month, there's no question your uh, skills from a perception, palpation perspective, and as a service delivery level, it's a quantum difference. So it doesn't take a lot, but it does take the discipline a little bit regularly each day, each week. And um, yeah, so does that answer your question? Mm. I mean, you say what you're saying is that when you train these people to work for you, once they're competent, that's the point you can go off on holiday and you can go and travel around the world training people. Yeah, and usually I go off on holiday <laughs> worrying about what the they might be doing in the clinics without me there. You, you, I mean, you actually mentioned a really good point. I suppose it's the same for any podiatrist or any healthcare professional or anyone in business who's employing people, is you need to know that those people are delivering the service that you want. You know, you're, you, you've got a choice. It could either be Ted's, you know, FMT centre, or it can be the foot and leg centre, or it yes. can be the FMT centre. And it's, you know, people are going to come along to see you initially, and you've got to be able to distill that down to other people so they provide what you provide. Yeah, very much so. And a big part of um, my overall global plan is I knew I can only see... <laughs> global plan. <laughs> 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 you know, there's a bit of that too. <laughs> but, 
Should say global dream then. <laughs> yeah, you tell them you're dreaming. Um, anyway, uh, so um, part of my overall vision was I knew, first of all, that I can only see so many people. I can only affect so many people directly. But if I can train other people so that they can help more people, ah, now we start having the impact that we're having yeah. now is affecting globally. Um, early on, it reminds me of... Um, Doing some training with a couple of practitioners in Melbourne, so uh, another state. Uh, another That's why you kept mentioning over Melbourne over the last three days. <laughs> it wasn't just the jet lag. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, and there were a couple of guys there, and um, we were doing some pretty intense training. They, they were just you know, running their own practices, but they uh, hired me to provide some uh, detailed, intense training for uh, them, so they could become FMT masters as well. And uh, pretty early on in the training, uh, one of the guys pulled me and said. Kiddo, 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 this stuff, this is really good. I think it's, you should stop teaching other people because other people will start doing it as well. And I'm like, Claude, yes, that's the idea. Kiddo, kiddo, we've got to keep this under wraps. This is, this is really good stuff, you know, really good stuff here. And it, it, it's uh, interesting how you, you've a lot, uh, certainly um, a number of people I've uh, been working with, they will go almost look at it like a, from a, a scarcity or competition thing. It's like, we want to keep this to ourselves. And anyone, uh, I know I can say this confidently, visited our clinic. Our doors are always open. You can come in, you can see what we're doing. Like, pick our brains. I, my personal goal in a training like this is to give, give as much as I can. And because I know that if you can take something that makes a difference in the way you speak to a patient, the way you provide a service, the way you do your assessment, you're better off, but your clientele and your community is going to be better off. It's like that, that, there is no downside. Uh, and so I don't see it as you know, competitive. Uh, it's like if we can expand and grow the body of knowledge, that's a good thing. I'm I just a joke. Um, Early on, it's like uh, with FMT, you know, ah, part of my dream is I, I hope it becomes part of the mainstream in my lifetime. Now I go, oh shit, I hope it becomes part of the mainstream in my lifetime. My lifetime, the sand's running out. And so I'm committed to let's give, give, give and help people like yourself who say, okay, you can be the catalyst for other people to get hold of this stuff and use this stuff and, and help more people like never before. Definitely. We, we've got a lot of challenges going on in, in podiatry in the UK at the moment, and, and this idea of scarcity is an interesting one. And people, people do get into this battle about competition, about stealing patients, or no, you can't have them, they're mine. Only when there are no more feet left to treat will we have that problem. At the moment, we don't have that problem. There's a lot of people who still don't know about podiatry, let alone all the other good stuff we can do. So things like this are really, really good. And I think as well, for, for those of you who, who are listening to this, that one person who probably listens to this because it's, I'm not that popular, um, you will have, have heard about my musings on this before, but also you will you'll kind of understand that one of the things we do need to do is we need to, as podiatrists, is we need to be using techniques and treatments and ideas which are in our pay grade as degree trained specialists. And not just looking for the for the things which I, I'm not I'm, and I'm not decrying anything like nail care or routine foot care, but we need to be using the full range of our skills and more and developing those even more. So I think this personally is 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 part of a package of care we should be providing for all of our patients. I've been asking you a couple more questions, haven't I? So okay, this is a this is a quick one. 
what's the difference between mobilization and manipulation and when would you consider using one over the other? Yeah. Uh, it's a serious question, question as well. Serious, there you yeah, go. A lot. So mobilization is typically uh, defined using uh, Maitland, Jeff Maitland, the pioneer of um, manual uh, manipulative physiotherapy. Uh, he has uh, some great definitions that uh, I think uh, hold up well and uh, we should apply too. So mobilization is uh, mobilizing the joint to its passive limits at a speed and force that the patient could resist or could overcome. So if you think of kind of like windscreen wiper speed, and we're working the joint right to the end range, we're applying too. force, yeah, it's a little bit about that. Uh, the, sorry, if you're listening to this, you didn't see the visual there, but the video... <laughs> the video was really good. Watch the video, watch the video. Yeah, download the video. It's on Netflix, coming out next week. Um, 3D, Blu-ray. <laughs> 3D. How many? And uh, the... There we are now getting delirious. So, mobilisation, working uh, in passive limits and speed and force that the patient could overcome or resist. Manipulation is the application of force at a... a, a application speed and force that the patient could not overcome. So what that means is just that it happens, it's all over before people realise it. So yeah. I have no yeah. reference sorry, to what's sorry, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think we've just had the same thought as well. Sorry, Mrs. James. Yes, there, um, there was uh, a discussion of um, the <laughs> premature cavitation <laughs> a couple of times. But anyway, Cavita uh, cavitation, just for, for the record, is the noise the joint makes when you... Hang on, I might be to do it. Oh no, it's not very loud. When you click your knuckles, here you go, that's going to do. There you go. That, it's that kind of noise when things pop and click. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, it's like, yeah but when bones crack. Yeah. But they don't crack. So, yes, um, manipulation. Uh, now, the key differences, mobilization, uh, I think is very useful in assessing the quality and range of motion of joints. So through mobilization techniques, you can feel the passive limits. You can look at the... Uh, detect the qualities that you're feeling. Uh, is there restriction? Is there freedom? Is there a leathery end feel? Is it a wooden end feel? It's a, that's, it's a qualitative skill. The manipulation uh, then provides uh, another option for releasing connective tissue restrictions, but it also has uh, some very significant neurophysiological uh, results. And there's also the hydraulic uh, release. So often when we get that cavitation audible uh, release, it tends to be a release of the hydraulic pressures within the joint that the body often will go, it's a bit like when people say, oh, I don't know what's wrong. It doesn't really hurt, but joint just feels like it needs a good crack. And you know, we've all experienced that in our bodies, you know, whether it's head, shoulders, neck or other parts. But there will be patients who have those type of sensations within their feet or legs as well. And so the manipulative thrust uh, gives us an option for creating a hydraulic release, releasing that tension, and you can literally do that in one visit. The application of a uh, manipulative thrust typically will take, with a skilled practitioner, will take around 240 to 260 milliseconds. So it's about a quarter of a second. Mobilization pulsing, though, um, will literally happen at a rate that is slower and that if the patient wanted to, they could kind of pull, resist or stop you from doing that.
And I think that's all I have to say about that. That was Ted's short answer as well. So, <laughs> now, what Ted's been doing is he's actually been teaching for three days, and I think we've both got hoarse voices, although he's the one who's been talking a lot. So I'm, I'm going to give him a... more donkey than horse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's another story. Um, so I'm going to give Ted a break, and I might actually get him a quick drink because he's, he's been an absolute star. But there are, there are three questions within one question for you, and these, these are, these are the, you know, the, the not very serious ones. So it's your last day on Earth. You don't want to spend it in England, obviously, but it's your last day on Earth. What would be your meal of choice, your last meal? What would be the music you'd like to hear playing while you're listening to that music? And then when you retire afterwards, what would be the film you'd want to watch? Wow. Oh, well, I wish I had to. One thing, I want to think about this and give you know, a, a carefully considered response. I know. But I realise I didn't. And then I thought, these are the things that pop into my mind. Yeah. So... Oh, get out! Yeah. Salvatore Pepe, so um, wonderful chef uh, in Adelaide. He has this signature dish, uh, fettuccine. Oh no, it's tagliarini al guancio. So it's crab's bag. With crab's bag. <laughs> but it is this simple, elegant pasta dish with a tomato cream sauce. Only uh, herb is in parsley, a little bit of salt, but with freshly pulled out crab meat, blue swimmer crabs. Oh, and it, you keep piece, it, and a, little, a little bit of chili that goes in there with a little bit of spark and edge to it. That is a, um, a delicious dish. So I knew that my last meal was going to be Italian of some sort. So thank you for the specific dish. Uh, and the music that came into was uh, Conti Pitipo. It's like an operatic, um, like the, the time to say, is it? It's okay. time to say. Oh. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no. That's that was the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 so, yeah it, it wasn't an instruction. Not yes. yet, anyway. So Andre, Andrea Bocelli. Yeah. Um, yes, time to say goodbye. It, it is a glorious song, and if you ever have a chance to listen to it, like pull the sunroof open. Except if you're in England, uh, just sunroof open or uh, <laughs> going along and cruising down. Uh, you got motorways here. We, we just have country roads. It is a we, last time we were. Cruising along the Esplanade down one of the local beaches, and the music was ripping, and uh, it was glorious. And the movie was probably the selfie that we took while we were driving down, listening to the music. I know. <laughs> movie of choice. Um, oh, was it linked into what movie we were going to watch? Yeah, after it will the be the last movie after the meal, yeah. Okay, oh, I'd like to tie something in there. I am a huge uh, Jason Bourne fan. Um, and but it, it's That's not in the same time. Just delaying death, <laughs> obviously, again, yeah. <laughs> well, well, Mr. Reaper, just wait. Yes. wait. <laughs> Matt Damon, Matt Damon, yes. Matt Damon comes first. Yes. That's it. That's it. Cool. Okay, so Ted. Really appreciate it. Well, I've had three fantastic days. I know talking to a lot of other people, it's been three fantastic days as well. Lots and lots and lots of information. Ted has kept it lively. Lil has kept the, you know, him on track as well, which is really, really cool. And the, the difference of me over from when I first did it in 2010 through till now is immense. It, it's, it's developed and it's changed. It's really cool. There's lots of people who got away from here with those, those light bulb moments, which I know is cheesy, but they do. And my Facebook's been pinging because I've got lots of new friends as well I've picked up to do over the last three days. So, Ted, huge thank you for, for the three days. Huge thank you as well for taking the time to, to sit with us, which was going to be about 15 minutes and now is, is well into its 20s. And I'm going to get you a drink. So thanks, guys, for listening and watching. Take care. Thank you. Great. Pleasure. Thanks, Dave. Cheers, mate. Yeah. Hey. Cavitation. Cavitation. Hey, hey, premature cavitation. Ha, ha, ha.